I know I've probably said this before. God hates sin more than we do. And when I, we talk about Ham and like the, the curse of Canaan was that Canaan would be a servant of servants to Jephthah. Mm-hmm. Jephthah's line is the Jews, yep. right? If you read the Minor Prophets, the Jews are confronted about holding, yes. having slaves. Yes, like it, it was. It wasn't something God was okay with. Yes. He called His people out on it, and He even had judgments for them yes. for when they did participate in it. And just understanding where God's heart is in the Bible and where man's heart is, I think is again is an important distinction to make. Is God hates sin more than we do. Mm-hmm. There's a reason, like the passage in John says, like if you hate your brother, you don't love me. Yeah. It's because God is love, yeah. and love is laying yeah. down your life for others, yeah. for your enemies. There's no room for slavery or racism no. or anything no. like that in the kingdom. Yeah, that's right. All right, this is Into the Fray. I'm Austin. I'm Robbie. What have you been enjoying this week? Oh, this week. This week's been uh, uh, it's been a good week. Um, now, I'll be transparent. You and I didn't speak before on this, but man, I've been kind of a funk lately. Like a like a just a you know things going on within the local church and me personally, spiritually, just this and and walking through the Book of Judges. Man, we've been in Gideon and and, and I don't know, man. I just been in a little bit of a funk. Okay. And what's the reason it's been so good though, man, is because I was in it, just some prayer and fasting and it, and you know, going through like it's 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 crazy how you can be teaching something. So walking through the book of Judges and two last previous two weeks on Gideon specifically, and I find myself in this little funk and I'm like complaining to God. Like about dwindling down numbers or this taking place or that place. You know, I've never heard God audibly ever, you know, really loud in my heart, you know, really such conviction. It might as well be, you know, audible. Uh, But it was like this just conviction of, okay, I dwindled down Gideon's army from 32,000 to 300 so that they wouldn't get the glory that I would. And you're complaining about things that are dwindling around could it be? <laughs> Could it be? Yeah. You know? And I'm like, oh, yes, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> but, wow. you know, like he's about to do something. And all of a sudden, just that just reminder of his faithfulness, whether it's a many or a few or, or you know, you, you're just seeing this spiritual revival take place or uh, you see this, I don't know, complacency and just kind of routine. And then you get into that personally. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that's where I was for a little while, man. And one of the reasons it's so, I'm so, like, I'm smiling right now. Like, I'm, it's because you go through that, and it's so easy to get into, but when God starts bringing you out of it, it's just like this relief. You know what I mean? Like, anybody can find themselves there, pastor, just follow Jesus, love of Jesus. But, man, God's going to bring you through it. And perspective changes. And that's what really happened. You know, I start focusing on a lot of the minute stuff I'm not in control of. Well, never really in control of. And, yeah. you know, it's hard to focus more on him. Wow. Yeah, so kind of helps. Yeah. <laughs> Man. How about you? Kind of the same. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, 
so, I don't know, it's been, I don't even know how long it's been. I was getting to the point, and I ended up making a video about it, but I didn't upload it. Uh, the past few weeks of not feeling motivated, mm. uh, not wanting to go to work, like not motivated to go to work. Like I'm, when I struggle with depression, it's never been like I just stay in the bed forever. Yeah, I'm able to go out and do stuff, but I have no feeling doing it, and it's always with the end goal of I'm going back to my bed later. Mm-hmm. And lately, I've, I've had been kind of feeling like in a funk. I won't say I was like depressed, but I just wasn't feeling motivated, and I was getting angry, bitter, and there's just like a lack of joy with a lot of things, and like annoyance about things like I couldn't control, and you know, Mm -hmm. all that stuff, and then I had this breakthrough of, I was reading Henry Nouwen's book, Spiritual Direction, Okay, don't buy it, it wasn't worth it. But <laughs> there's one page that like I I'd been trying to like read a book a, a week and mm-hmm. hadn't kept up with that. And Good goal, this book though was one of those books that I had been like stuck on for like three weeks, and it's a small book, like ninety pages. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, what in the heck? And again, I just wasn't motivated. Yeah. Now I picked it up. And I was like, no, you're going to read, whether you like it or not. And I came across this page where he talked about, like, one of the things that I had been feeling was I hadn't felt love lately. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how he had a friend who, a best friend, and he put all his weight on his best friend to love him. And he's like, you're going to heal all my insecurities and my needs, and you're going to be the thing that brings joy to my life. And his best friend basically said, I can't do that. I'm out. And Henry was like, well, you know, screw you. Like, I don't need you. You're a terrible friend. I don't know why I ever trusted you. Whatever. Then God does a work on his heart and makes him realize you expected out of him what you should be expecting out of me. And like this idea of you can't expect. uh, Sometimes we place this expectation for people to love us in a way that's just not humanly possible. Mm Mm-hmm. And people are going to love him perfectly. That doesn't mean that they don't love you. And that was something I was like wrestling with. I was like, yeah, I'm, I don't feel loved, but that doesn't mean I'm not loved by the people in my life. That just means I've put them on this pedestal and expected more out of them than probably is even, uh, reasonable. Yeah. And it was like the sigh of relief. Cause then I could like stop put like expecting that out of them. And Mm -hmm. I could say, okay, well, let me place this on God, and then me and God finally felt like rekindled like mm-hmm. our love. And it was nice. And then, so, the singleness episode we did a while back mm-hmm. has bugged the crap out of me ever since, right? Okay. Because in it, it was like this sign of like, I felt like I was giving up on love, and like, not, I know like I clarified what I meant in it, but there's still this part of me that's like, dude, you used to like, my goal was to be married mm-hmm. and to like find the love in my life and all that stuff. And now I'm at this point where I'm like, yeah, who, who really cares? Mm-hmm. And I was like sad because it was like I was mourning a part of me that died. It's what it felt like. Uh-huh. And then I started watching this show called How I Met Your Mother. Okay. And I started watching it because I found this clip where 
Ted Mosby, who's like the main character, he's like this hopeless romantic. Mm-hmm. And he repeats basically like my mind frame on love at the time of like, I feel like each and every day I just get closer to, uh, I, I, I get farther and farther away from who I was and I stop believing that love exists. Hmm. And I felt like I was going down that route. And Robin tells him, his friend, well, you're Ted Mosby, just believe again. And I don't know, it was a simple phrase. I was like, yeah, what? You know, screw the negativity and mm-hmm. the the self-deprecating thoughts I have in my head about like, oh, love's not, you know, whatever. That's what I want is I want to be married. So I'm going to keep wanting it. And I'm going to believe that love exists and that it can be romantic and like it ain't got to be perfect but it can be romantic and that can be you know out there i don't know yeah so it was nice yeah again yeah that's cool though like a lot of times we feel like when we're in a funk we're, we're battling discouragement even maybe it's depression whatever it is kind of thing we're just down and out that how many times it's not this profound you know something we read or, or hear it's not even this you know division or, or just this this experience that you know rocks our world and gets it's a lot of like okay it's a simple line in a comedy from a yeah. year you know a couple of decades ago yeah. I, don't know how, I don't know how old yeah, it is right. or whatever yeah, you know what I mean it's like something so simple and yet that simple little truth is like light bulb yeah. um, and God uses it yeah you know and it was, it was nice too because this whole situation of me like not feeling loved and not feeling motivated and all sorts of things a lot of insecurities have been coming back up mm-hmm. uh part of it's doing podcasts and you talk every week and you're just like my god i can say so many wrong things <laughs> another part of it is that's like, why you do the editing yeah <laughs> <laughs> not another, me, brother. another part of it is like uh being in leadership and knowing yeah. people's eyes are on you yeah. and that they have expectations of you and being like why well, can't possibly fulfill your expectations of Mm -hmm. me just all these different things like coming together and then like still stuff i'm dealing with from last year uh a lot of like insecurities have been coming back up Mm. and having this moment this past week was like a a, it kind of has been like a lightning bolt and just causing me to be like you know what no, I'm gonna like confront my insecurities, and I'm going. I'm not gonna let me fall back into them. And mm-hmm. you know what? We're gonna address some things, and we're gonna go back and redo some like mental health work and emotional work I had done a couple years ago. And it was this idea of like, I had to, I had this idea that I had done it a couple years ago. I'm good now. Sure. And that is so dumb mm-hmm. because you're always gonna be dealing with the thoughts in your mind and the realities of like being human just having insecurities and failings and yeah. even your spiritual warfare side of it of like the devil's always going to be on you mm-hmm. and uh i don't know it was just like yeah we don't have to be in the slump mm-hmm. we're gonna go get out of the slump and build a mountain yeah you know cool you said something too man um you know i, I feel like most of our frustrations i don't a large part, anyway, of our frustrations, daily frustrations, but even the built-up frustrations, like get to that point of like, I'm about to explode kind of thing, is unrealistic expectations yeah. that we place on either ourselves or others. 
And especially if we do it on others, then like you said, we don't even hold our own standard, but we hold them to this like mega standard and then get so disappointed, so frustrated, so angry that they're not living up to it. You know, instead of looking back and being like, am I even being that guy? Am I being that friend? Am I being that, you know, disciple maker to them? Because I'm so frustrated at them. And then I look at, you know, my own life and I'm like, well, man, how many people am I really being that to? Yeah. And am I expecting this out of them? Yeah. And yet I'm mad about it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so then it just like is, is motivating me to be like, you know what? And I've, I've, I listen to a lot of David Goggins, so I kind of have yeah, it yeah. in my mind too. Uh, and it was like, I can't control how other people respond or work or whatever. Who cares? Yep. I should have never expected me to be able to anyways. Mm-hmm. I need to just work on myself and what can I do? How can I like bring positive and good change? Yeah. And like God handle the rest. Like I can't force someone to behave the way I think they should. Yeah. Like let me just be a, a good model at the least. And let God handle the rest and mm-hmm. hopefully it inspires change. And if it doesn't, oh well, I know that what Jesus promises is like if you live life the way he's designed it, you'll be happy whether other people buy into it or not. Yeah. So (laughs) good stuff. All right. So that wasn't the topic for today, but it was a good one. Uh, (laughs) So there's this conversation that's been going on in special Southern Baptist circles right now. Yeah. I don't know if you've paid attention to that. Yeah. But, uh, the conversation of race and racial reconciliation Mm -hmm. and one of the things that Robbie wanted us to hit on, uh, he mentioned a few weeks ago was slavery and Mm -hmm. difference from like slavery in the Bible and slavery in the States and kind of diving into that whole conversation, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically just around like slavery and, the church's history with it, mm-hmm. and I, th- I was thinking through of like this is a really important conversation because there's this cultural moment right now where you're seeing uh, a lot of white Christians not know how to handle it. Yeah, of uh, where we watch a lot of our leaders handle it, and we're like, well, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know, if they're handling it the best. Yeah. But then even so, like you're you're seeing in the black church right now this intense conversation of some of your younger Christians leaving the faith because of this topic never being addressed. Mm -hmm. And then the older generation saying, well, we lived through it. Like there's this Christianity was the only thing that got us through it. But then the the younger generation saying, yeah, but there's like Christianity was part of slavery as well. Mm -hmm. How do we deal with that? Yeah. Yep. And so there's this conversation going on right now. We, We just want to dive into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I even had um, someone years ago, when I say years, a couple, just a few years ago, that um, when there were a ton of social injustices you know, going on, and obviously still are, that were race-related, um, and I actually did some teaching on it, I uh, was basically told, you know, why not just preach the gospel? You know, it's kind of, well, I think it was LeBron James when he was kind of talking about politics and stuff and somebody said just dribble kind of thing you know Uh, that's what i kind of felt like it but not even the insult but my reply was well it is a gospel issue Mm -hmm. it actually is a gospel issue it's not just black white you know it's not 
political. It's it's a heart issue. It's a gospel issue. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to talk about it. And in fact, the Bible talks about it from Genesis three all the way through the Book of Revelation. Yeah. You know, it, in fact, you know, it amazes me, like the consequences uh, of sin. Like sin is a disease, and there are all types of just this this, this kind of um, underlay and and of of symptoms that take place, right? So obviously, um, you know, everything from murder to uh, lust, and on and on and on. But how much the Bible speaks about slavery yep. and being set free yeah. and, and words like redemption and these beautiful, and God's not reacting to the times then or now. Mm-mm. Like God is the author of all of it, the Bible that is. Yeah. And so he's not, he, but he is redeeming this um, horrible atrocities that took place, slavery. Mm-hmm. And in fact, God's people we talk about it all the time. We're the slaves in Egypt, yeah. kind of thing, and he is reminding them of, of who, of, you know, where they were and all the things they had to go through, and how he delivered them, and points that all the way forward through the New Testament, and Jesus being the ultimate deliverer. And so, how can we not talk about it? But you know, you said something, man, just a minute ago, and it just really kind of it, it hurts my heart because I feel like we do one or two things. Like, we want multi-ethnic, diverse churches. Mm-hmm. Or we say we do. Let me say that. Most of, I think most people would say they do, especially yeah. pastors. Do they really want it? Even for believers, you know, do you really want that? Not, I'm not talking about just, you know, hanging out for, you know, an hour, hour and a half, whatever, on Sunday morning. I'm talking about being the church. With yeah. people who don't look like you, come from different backgrounds, these issues that you don't, it's hard for you to understand because you've not personally experienced it, but you're willing to not only hear the things they've been through and learn, you know, their history kind of thing, but be willing to walk through these difficult conversations. Yeah. Because get ready to get uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, we're two white guys sitting at a table talking about slavery yeah. and racism. A little uncomfortable. The most uncomfortable. Yeah. I read a, when I was really uh, working through a lot of trying to understand the race conversation and how I should feel about it, how I should feel about like Black Lives Matter and like mm-hmm. the George Floyd, all those things. Yes. I read this book called The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. And it's basically like him talking about the church's complicity in racism and slavery mm-hmm. in the yeah. history of the United States. Yeah, yeah. And as I'm reading this, it was it's one of the hardest books I've ever read. Not because he talks so above my level, mm-hmm. but because it was so like it, it caused me to look back at myself and not in a mm-hmm. a white guilt kind of way of like, well, I feel guilty because I'm white. It's it was like, no, I like some of this is my family's history. Mm-hmm. Like I had done an ancestry report a few okay. years back. And things I found out about my family line, I was like, that it explains a lot, but (laughs) it's not things you want to be true, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Even working through, like, I have, there's a lot of racism in my extended family, and Mm -hmm. me having to come to the realization of, well, if I was, 
if I grew up around those environments, they affect me in some way. Sure. Just like if you grow up in a abusive household, mm-hmm. you're going to respond to that in some way as you get older, whether that's you abusing your kids or wife or whatever, or you being so uh, repelled by it that you go the complete opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing with like racism yes. is if your family has a history with it, it's affected you in some way. And part of us having this conversation is saying, well, we're not going to just ignore it and act like it never happened. Absolutely. we got to confront it. Yes, absolutely. So I think one of the things we have, you know, if, if I'm of different color, I have not experienced what someone else experienced, race or, you know, um, abuse, whatever it is kind of thing. We just have this kind of mentality or, or I don't know. Just this mindset, I guess, of if I haven't experienced, I can't speak into it. If I'm not personally, so again, for me being, you know, a mid-40s white guy, you know, to speak in. But again, if it's a gospel issue and the Bible speaks, I can most definitely speak into it. Truth. But also, I'm going to have, I want to walk in that truth in extreme grace and humility. I want to walk into that space depending on God. I'm also want to walk in that space, especially if I am talking, if we're talking about race with my African American brothers and sisters in Christ, and and now, not only now but reading, listening to those of the past and those obviously that I don't know, because man, I want to hear. I want to be an active, engaged listener, not just for the you know gathering facts or whatever, but man, I want to hear their experiences. I want to hear their hurts. Yeah, I mean, I want to love them. You that, know, like that was the kind of like the the game changer for me, because I had the, during that season where I'm like heavy into theology and mm-hmm. all, I found myself going down this route of there's the Christian Reconstructionists. Mm-hmm. They lead to yes. like the Puritan theology yeah. and all that stuff. Yep, and I found some books that like justified slavery and racism and all yeah. sorts of stuff. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't, what is this? And being like shocked by it. But then like not only being shocked by that, but then at the same time getting coffee with someone who, uh, like my black friend, and hearing them talk about like current issues, like the social justice issues mm-hmm. and whatnot, and being like, well, oh, this stuff has happened to you like yes you've been pulled over and yes thrown to the ground just because the color of your skin and like hearing all these different stories about and like some of it was even one of the things i was thinking about on the way up here was uh i have a friend who's a veteran he's a african-american man and he said this line to me in one of our times we got breakfast and i was just like i don't even know how to take that mm-hmm he said that he he cared enough about his country to go and uh, risk his life for it, mm-hmm. but he didn't. He's never felt like his country cared enough about him. Wow! And then he like went on a list of things that's happened mm. with how he grew up and whatnot. And I was just like, "That's terrible." But you are still willing to risk your life. Yeah. Like. Yeah. That's a that's that's a tension in like a, a gray area of. It's not like a, a complete black and white issue. Like mm-hmm. you can't say he's not patriotic. He went and risked his life for it. Mm-hmm. But he's also saying there's this other side to this conversation too. Of yeah, but there's a tough relationship I have with my country. Yep. 
and let's talk about it and like mm-hmm. deal with it and work mm-hmm. through it. Yeah. And it's just like experiences like that force you to enter into the conversation, like you said, with humility and just be like, if I'm going to really enter into this conversation the right way, I need to have people around me who are different than me, mm-hmm. who've experienced these things mm-hmm. in ways that I've never experienced. That's right. To better understand what where the truth is, yeah. you know, yeah, and then knowledge, man, it's, it's so huge. Like, so for me, like when I first started really digging into the Bible, specifically when it came to like racism, prejudice, uh, slavery, topics like that, which again replete throughout the scriptures, kind of thing. You also not only in the scriptures, obviously, you want to start there, but do a little church history, you know, learn a little bit more because I guarantee. Um, you don't have to go to a seminary, Bible college kind of thing. You, you pull it up on your phone stuff. I yeah. mean, look at some legit sources kind of deal. There are names of people that led the charge, whether it was in Britain, here in the States, that that were believers yeah. that led the charge. There's William Wibbleforce. Um, I love this. I found this quote. He says, God has placed before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners or morals. Uh, Thomas Clarkson, John Wesley, William Nib, Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Yeah. Also, so you said something earlier, and let's just uh, be yeah. completely transparent. Did you know that uh, Jonathan Edwards, most people yeah. would recognize that name, was in favor of, of slavery because his thought was, well, the Bible doesn't directly condemn it. Yeah. So therefore, it must be okay. Now, here's the thing. Like, we talked about this in the cancel culture episode. So me and, you know, somebody that I revere, like the works of Jonathan Edwards, for goodness sake, somebody mightily used by God, somebody who just loved Jesus. I mean, just impacted generations well beyond his time of going home to be with the Lord kind of thing and generations to come if the Lord tarries. We disagree completely on that. Yeah. So do I just trash everything of Jonathan Edwards? No. But I do want to, you know, look at, okay, what was his reasoning? It Was it just culture, just the time kind of thing? Because he was looking at the scriptures. And then, you know, where I disagree, obviously, um, doesn't mean that he still didn't love Jesus. And he wasn't mightily used by God, and he was still wrong on this topic. The church, while it was at the forefront of leading the charge for <laughs> the you know, yeah. abolishing slavery, also, most will, if you read any of it, yeah. uh, they drug their feet. Yeah, A lot of the church of Christianity drug their feet. It could have happened long before. It should have happened long before. Even when it did Oh, it's still prevalent today. Yeah. I mean, laws, like people, you know, because they want to look at that and just go, show me in the Bible where, you know, <laughs> and, and I can't. But laws will never change your heart. Now, laws need to be put in place. Yeah. There needs to be some stuff. I know, like, I love sports. and um, But, but here, here's just something, just real quick, because you may not know this, because if y'all don't know, uh, I'm a huge sports fan. Austin, not so much. Okay, <laughs> so in the NFL, that is the National Football League. That's football. Austin. Um, they have a thing about hiring coaches. Yeah. All right. So they have to interview X number, I forget what the, it's multiple African American or minority coaches, you know, for the head coaching job. Yeah. They have to. That's a law or, you know, their law kind of thing. That's, that's a good thing to put that in place. Yeah. But I think um, 
it may have changed now, but a few weeks ago anyway, uh, out of like 32 teams, just take a guess how many African-American or minority coaches there are having that rule in place. Out of 32. 30. Just take a guess. Say two? You're Absolutely. It was really? two. <laughs> I think it's more. I think it may be four or something like that now. Okay. Out of 32. Yeah. So the law is, the rule is, you have to interview this. Yeah. When you have so many players that are minority. Yeah. And, and that's not even the point. It's like, it's not that there's, you know, more, the majority are minority players. So therefore you connect. Because again, that wouldn't, that's not the end all, you know. But you're telling me African-American, Latino, you know, men, women, I don't care. Yeah. Aren't as knowledgeable and have the leadership quality. I mean, is that what we're saying? I mean, it, that's the that's the perception anyway yeah. by what you're you know, reflecting. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's horrible, man. Yeah. But to the church thing again, just to kind of look back around at that, Austin. I have people that will be like, "Well, the past is the past. I what? I never owned slave. My daddy didn't. You know all that kind of stuff." Speak for my white friends. Let me just speak from them, okay? So they don't really understand. And don't want to jump into that arena of, of, of the race you know, discussion, it's specifically slavery, because they didn't, you know, wasn't personally involved with it or whatever. Um, but man, slavery still goes on today. Yeah. Racism absolutely goes on today. When I speak of slavery, obviously there's sex trade, there's you mm-hmm. know, different forms of it, just like there's always been different forms of slavery, and it's all wrong, every one of it. Yeah. And when it gets to even the scriptures, I mean, you mentioned on the very beginning, it's healthy. To know the different, even through the scriptures, the different, um, like Hebrew servanthood, Greco-Roman slavery, um, you know, indentured servitude. It's it's important to know. Okay, when when Paul writes Colossians, yeah. Ephesians, the the audience, the the culture that he's writing into, that slavery is much different than what when we talk about slavery, us, yeah, what we think about the African slave trade, right? Like that's our mind. And I've heard so many, so many people that I respect, pastors, leaders, very knowledgeable people, that will just, that's their, their go-to, is, okay, well, Paul is writing into this place where if he would have just commanded all the slaves to be released, Rome would have been <laughs> turned upside down because there was actually more slaves yeah. than free people, and it would just be, ca- dude, I'm a white guy, and that doesn't even work for me. No. I'm just telling you, like, I, I, if I give that to one of my African American or Latino brothers or sisters in Christ, I, I wouldn't give it to them. Yeah, I'm not giving you that my answer as far as why slavery was not ended much, much earlier. Yeah, man, there's so much. <laughs> but one of the things that you said that kind of got me thinking was the the whole the laws don't change mm-hmm. your heart. And so that's why they put the laws in place of, yeah, you know, like the reason, and I don't, I don't even remember what that law is called, like when, not necessarily sports related, but yeah. uh, that you need to, like it's an incentive to hire more black people or more oh, yeah, minorities yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Business anywhere, like, yes. I, I've yes. heard the response of, well, they need to get that up because it needs to just be like anybody, Everybody. equal. And it's like, well, the reason they put that in place was because mm-hmm. – it wasn't equal. Yeah. You had to incentivize people to change their behavior. Yes. And one of the ways the government found out how to do that was through money. Mm-hmm. Money will 
it'll help stop racism to a degree. It'll help make you not look racist. And I was thinking about how I can't remember which guy it was. It's a famous like uh, preacher in like early America. Okay. But he, and I think he was in Georgia too. He started this school. Mm-hmm. I think I'm. I could be wrong. Either way, like the principle still stands. He like started this like Christian ministry or whatever, mm-hmm. and he was against slavery. Okay. Then he realized how much you could profit off of. Like mm-hmm. you could save money if you ha- just bought a bunch of slaves and made them build the the yep. orphanage or whatever. Yep. And so then he justified buying slaves and mm-hmm. the racism and like he just went further down the track and how it's just interesting how the gospel for some of our like white church uh is it fathers our our church ancestors our christian ancestors yeah yeah in the states they the gospel didn't confront they weren't inspired by the gospel to end slavery for a lot of them it was money and Mm -hmm. how like or like peer pressure or whatever yeah and how like it, it didn't change their heart. Like like the racism still exists, and yeah. it, 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 we just found new ways to do it. Yeah. But then it, it just it got me thinking about how the like I heard this quote by Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. and I don't even remember it verbatim, but he said like because during the time of slavery in America, African Americans weren't given the entire Bible. Like they had a preacher picked by the slaveholders and Mm -hmm. he was the preacher for the slaves and but he could only preach certain parts and other parts were left out yeah so they they took stuff out of scripture and that they did that because they didn't want the slaves to find the freedom that they could find in the bible yeah which is powerful that they were that scared of the bible but then frederick Douglass said but we still found it in what they did give us Mm -hmm. and it inspired us to like you said, to fight slavery, to fight racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's just this, I don't know, I, th- I think that's just interesting how the things that motivate us and, yeah, how it mo- motivated two different groups. Yeah, and I think that's that's the point, though, Austin. Okay, so if they try to withhold some of the, the scriptures that they would think, anyway, or whatever thought, um, directly pointed to their freedoms or the right to their freedoms yeah. kind of thing, and yet... The scripture still did that, you yeah. know, because all the scripture points to that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's and it's a healthy conversation, man. That I just I don't know. You listen to a ton more podcasts and read a lot more books than I do. Um, I just don't hear I don't hear any, and definitely not a lot of healthy conversations about this. Mm-mm. You know, and I don't know why because it is so prevalent. You know, I mean, maybe when something happens, like you mentioned earlier, when there's a shooting, when there's, you know, some tragedy that takes place, maybe there's a a prayer that's offered or uh, I don't know. Um, But it's limited. Yeah. Extremely. Especially, again, I'm speaking, uh, we are not an all white church or, or, you know, an all age of white church, kind of nothing like that. But, man, it's just one of those things that. I think the conversation, it, you cannot walk through the scriptures and not talk about it. Yeah. You can't You can't preach Colossians, Ephesians, Philemon, for goodness sakes. Romans. Right. You can't <laughs> preach any of it. I mean, how are you yeah. going to, you're going to have to skip it. I mean, you are going to literally have to skip over portions of scripture 
And then, I mean, okay, if you don't do it, I mean, to really teach it, you got to do a little bit better than just, okay, well, Paul's writing to this this group that's probably, you know, well, they, they really were not slaves in the city. Because when Paul is writing those, you can, my mind just goes to, like, when he's writing to Philemon. So if you don't know that little book, it's a powerful little book, right? Philemon, leader in the home, Onesimus, a, a slave, mm-hmm. steals, runs away. And Paul is writing back to Philemon and being like, all right, brother. Yeah, I know of your good works. I know of your faith. I know of your impact. Uh, Onesimus has come to me. God sovereignly brought him into my life. He's now a son in the faith. Receive him that way. And I love how Paul, in that text, says, I could, because of my apostolic authority, I could command you to release him. (laughs) But I would rather out of love. And I just met, I'm like, yeah, Paul, I like that. Like, I could command you because that would be right. Yeah. But I would prefer that your heart, out of love for God and love for people, including him, Mm -hmm. as especially now your brother in Christ, that you would say to him, you would do the right thing. I mean, he just goes right out and tells him, you know, that's what you should do. Yeah. I think it, you know, what that makes me think of is, you know, I don't know how much you, like we're st- I immediately just like went to the Curse of Ham stuff. Yeah, yeah, that sounds of, good. Of, yeah, and did like a deep dive on yep, that. Yep. And what was so like prevalent as I'm like the, like the Curse of Ham, uh, it's in Genesis chapter nine, mm-hmm. a little bit in verse ten. Yeah. You you start unpacking all that, and every time you end up going back to the gospel, back to yes. Jesus, back yes. to Him setting the captives yes. free. And that was like the like really fun part of like diving into that was so the curse of ham for a lot of uh, white Christians in the states that was one of the things they used to justify slavery. Yes. Wait. wait. Can I just pause yeah. there yeah. and say something personal? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I have heard you, you mentioned extended family. Yeah. I had an extended family member not be able to quote that, but use that as a scripture not for slavery but for racism. Yeah now like today kind of thing i mean it wasn't today but i mean (laughs) you know in in our time that scripture has been so abused yeah like you said man go back to genesis 9 read that deuteronomy 9 there's lots of portions of scriptures you can look at Mm -hmm. and it is crazy how like my first thought one my heart was broke when this individual told me that i mean it just it was crushed because i was like you're, we're taking God's word, and we're twisting it, pulling it, because it doesn't even say what they said it said at all. No. Yeah. They twist it, and more than likely heard that from someone else. Mm-hmm. And what I even didn't ask, but I thought, I wonder if a pastor told her that. I wonder if somebody else told them that from a leadership, and they just took it as God's word. Yeah. So they took God's word, twisted it to disobey God's will. And it has just continued. Yeah. And man, I was just, I was sick, dude. I was just like, that's horrible. So go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah, my man. No, just that, that just not slavery. But yeah, that yeah. has been used for slavery, racism, and then like, and now. There's so much that you, that you hinted to in what you just said of not only is it taken out of context, that passage. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say what a lot of people think it says. No. The curse falls on Canaan. Yeah. Actually, we call it the curse of Ham. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's, that was one of the things. Is like, so the, 
the reason slaveholders would use the curse of Ham, yep. as they call it, as a, a reason to justify slavery and racism was because Ham is essentially like the father of uh, black people, of people with dark skin, uh, people in Africa, right? And that that's where you would get like Egypt and, oh, frick, where's... Uh, I know one of them comes from like the Ethiopian region. Yes. One of the sons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you've got... So Noah had three sons, yes. right? Shem, Ham, and Japheth, okay? Yes. So the curse actually goes on the Canaanites, all right? So the curse, the prediction of the fall and, and all that you just kind of referred to falls on the Canaanites and actually not the people of, of Africa. Because yeah. Cush is the son of Ham. It's probably the ancestor of the people of Ethiopia, yep. all right? But then if you just kind of keep tracking... Um, Mizraim is the ancestor of the Egyptians. Put, of, that's again, Ham's the ancestors of the people of northern Africa, the Libyans. So Canaan is one of the four sons who is not an ancestor of the African people. Yeah. So just do a little research to yeah. see that actually what you're quoting as a curse, and, and what gets me even about that, because a lot of people will just hear names like that and be like, okay, I'm even more confused. Somehow... The curse is in people's minds of this being dark skin for one. Like that's yeah. how it was even presented to me the very first time I heard it. Yeah. Before I was even a believer, like I just heard somebody say it, and and I, I just kind of oh, that doesn't sound right, but okay, you know, <laughs> was that God cursed yeah. Ham? Yeah. Is how they presented it, and turning black. It was, wow. a, it was a skin okay. thing. So yeah. they turned them. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the whole reason. That's why, the, hence, black people are cursed. Yeah. And I was just like, that can't be right. But no, I'm an unbeliever, and I was really young, and I thought, well, does the Bible really say something like that? Like, it's really. Yeah. And, so, and then if you yeah. go and read it, it's like, how do you even get that? Yeah, because one of the things when I was reading, I I, I was using. One shout out to Tony Evans Bible commentary. Oh yeah, good stuff. I, yeah, go buy. I'll buy. Was it, it for the you. oneness or which? Uh, I have no idea. Is he came out with the commentary a couple of years ago? Yeah. Oh, uh, you talking about the Bible commentary? I'm yeah, sorry. He did the yeah. Bible study. I think it's called Oneness, oh, which is really good. Right. It's on racism too, though. Yeah. Did yeah. you take us through that? I don't know. I've you been took us through one okay, study. Maybe that so. Was maybe so. Amazing. But uh, I, I use that as a tool as I was kind of trying to understand the story and all. But one of the things that stuck stood out was sometimes when we're studying the Bible, we blame God for things that God mm -hmm. never did. Yes. And this is one of those examples yes. of Yahweh didn't no. put the curse on Canaan. No, Noah did. Yeah, Noah did. And so God never told Noah to do it. Yeah. One of your <laughs> tools when you're dealing with the Bible is just understand who's talking. This, I yeah. remember another example of this is it's not race related. Was I had this uh, girl message me on Instagram asking about a psalm where David uh -huh. is like, "God burned these people down. God yep. hates these people." And she's like, "How could this be in the Bible? Yeah, how could God have a heart like that? Yeah, for his creature?" And I was like, "Okay, let's step back yeah. and remember this is a prayer from David. Yeah, David is saying this to God. Yeah, this is a reflection of David's heart, not God's heart. Yeah." And the way you see God's heart in this is that he's having grace on this man who is wilding yes. out. Yes. Yeah. Just like all of yeah. us. Yeah. The Bible is, is prescriptive and descriptive. Yeah. 
Like people need to understand, like, so where God prescribes, think prescription kind of thing, there are commands. There are love your neighbor as yourself. There, there are co- commands to be obeyed. Yeah. And then there's description. Like you said, David prays a prayer. Um, you know, uh, you've got all kind of stuff that takes place in the Bible that if you just read it, and, and, and your thought was, oh, mm-hmm. wow, this is what the Bible's about. Rape, incest, prejudice, you know, annihilating whole cultures. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, oh, God, I wouldn't want to serve that God. But, I mean, that's what happened. Yeah. It's not that God prescribed it to happen. It's just it shows the sinfulness of men. Yeah. And that's why when you start talking about racism, specifically slavery, but racism in general, I mean, that's why it's so prevalent because mm-hmm. it is – one of those things, like an addiction or something like that, for me, that just it shows how ugly sin is. Yeah. How, how and yet grace covers. Yeah. You know, that God, the grace is so much greater. But yeah, you just all the ramifications of sin in general. Yeah. Uh, that comes out in that. Even what was another little thing to know as you're reading through that story in Genesis mm-hmm. nine. This some. Again, Tony Evans pointed out was curses only lasted a third or fourth generation or until yeah. repentance takes place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Because the idea yeah. was that, well, people who descended from Ham are cursed forever. Yeah. And that's why we can justify the yeah. slavery in the states. And yeah. it's like, no, that you pass the third and fourth generation. Yeah. But then two, realizing that a, a a good thing to note when you're reading your Bible and you're reading all the names is when it tells you where those names came from, mm-hmm. go look those people up. Yes. And so yes. I looked up the in Jesus' genealogy in Matthew, and in, I think it's you know it's just Matthew. Mm-hmm. A lot of Jesus' great-grandmothers oh, yeah. are from Ham, Ham's line. Yeah. There's a, I think it's four out of five of them, one of them being Ruth. And it's like... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, Bathsheba. Used, yep, Bathsheba. Okay, just uh, look, yeah. can I say this, Austin? Too, yeah. you've heard me say this. This drives me bananas. All right, we have so like, especially here in the 21st century Western culture, we have just stripped Jesus of all his Jewishness. Yeah. Of of of, you know, we've turned him to a white 30 year old that looks like me kind yeah. of thing talks like me you know lives in the states and you know kind of, we've robbed that but i would even say go back to genesis one mm-hmm. two adam and eve we pictures on most sunday school classes had them looking like a white couple yeah well, well how did we get all the different races yeah it ain't coming just from two white people you mm-hmm. know what i mean like no and jesus living in the middle east i mean that's that's more. Well, you know, Ethan, it's not going to be. Yeah. So, but, but here's the thing to the names, dude. In Scripture, we will read names and not only not do a little legwork, just a little Bible study 101 and see where they came from. But we don't even connect the dots with like Bathsheba, David and Bathsheba. I don't know how many years from in my own life I thought, okay, white girl. Sheba. Um, I don't know. Kind of <laughs> doesn't sound like you know, yeah, Susie. Like there may be something there. Yeah, and you start again. You start Moses. Mm-hmm. Okay, why was why, why was God so angry? Because they're they're talking and 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 dehumanizing Moses's wife, and and why leprosy was the curse that was given 
because they were complaining about her being not like them, looks yeah. like them. She would have been black. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, and so what does God do? I mean, I just find that so erotic. Okay, you want to talk about yeah. somebody's skin? Boom, there's this leprosy that's going to make you white and your skin fall off. Well, even <laughs> if we're talking about like the romanticizing uh, the white couple uh-huh. and like making Adam and Eve and all these characters yeah, yeah, yeah. in the Bible, the, these beautiful white people, you look at the Song of Solomon and there's a line in it where mm-hmm. the, the woman is described as uh, a beautiful black woman. Yep. And it's like, like I think sometimes we forget if if or we may not. I didn't even know this until someone had told me it. But there is a an issue in our culture of there's not a lot of black representation, not a lot a lot of minority representation, and so this isn't just like a Christian issue. This is a Hollywood issue. This oh, is yeah, a government yeah, yeah, issue, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of the people in power, a lot of people that you see on stage, are white people. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is a lot of little black girls and boys grow up seeing that. And one of the things that the black community talks about is the reason they have to uh, say black is beautiful mm-hmm. is because their kids are watching Disney Channel and all the shows yep. are yep. a bunch of white yep. kids. Yep. And they say, well, I must not be beautiful. Mm-hmm. I want to be like them. Yep. And yep. so there's this issue of that the Bible actually can help us with of mm-hmm. reclaiming beauty yes. with how God made us. Yes. And, and here's, I've heard this again. And when I say this, I'm not talking about just white guys who don't love Jesus. I'm talking about people who they, they claim the name of Christ. I've heard them. Well, we, we should say all, you know, all people are beautiful. <laughs> like we're so sensitive yeah. about that. Yes, we should be able to say all that, yeah. but because of all of these other issues, it has to be highlighted. You know what I mean? And it, it, throughout the script, like it is amazing to me. Not only in the Old Testament, when you get to the New Testament, the 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 launch of the church, how the Bible is very specific. Yep. I mean, again, the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, mm-hmm. When you go to Acts thirteen, um, Niger. Why yep. is he called? Because he's a black guy. Like it's important. Like it's so important to the heart of God. And to the writers that he is inspiring, that they they put okay. I want you to know who this is. Yeah. Not only for the people who would know actually when they heard their name, they would know who that is. They would recognize in that time. But for us today, yeah. like you want to know who was part of taking the gospel to Africa? Okay, you need to know where it came from. You want to know who the early church leaders were? They didn't all look the same. Not at it all. Was it very intentional? That there would be Dude, unity amongst diversity. That blew my mind. I, so, like, I grew up in church. I always seen the pictures of like the Last Supper and a bunch of white guys. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And then realizing that Mark is this guy from Africa, and he has an incredible like ministry mm-hmm. over in Africa. Like, I don't even. Him and like Paul are in competition with how many like how much. Mm-hmm people they reached one of them reached like more continents one of them reached like mm-hmm. or like traveled more something like that but it, it and then like going down the list of the disciples and where they come from mm-hmm. one of the things to started doing was because I'm, I'm like everyone i read the bible and you read the names and the place and you're like okay yeah. let's get to the good stuff. i can't even pronounce them just move on yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but then when you actually start like get on google and find out where simon is from Find out where Mark is from. 
Find out where Jesus lived as a little boy when he was a refugee. Mm-hmm. He lived in ah. he lived in Egypt. Wow. Egypt, and yeah. what you'll find is you know there's this idea in in yeah in white churches that we have to go and save the black people because they don't know Jesus. Yep. We Forgetting the gospel of them. how much Africa actually gave us Jesus mm-hmm. and how much like they have a long line of Christian tradition yes. that far yes. outweighs us. Yep. One of like as I was like going back through this topic and like researching, looking up the Ethiopian church mm-hmm. and like seeing the joy on their faces and we talked about that before, but like that was so amazing to see. And then how, how much like ancient Christian tradition that if if you're just a curious person, you will be interested in. Yes, because you'll see uh, there's a place in Egypt where Jesus was raised as a little boy. And this whole village has like there's shrines and all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. because they're committed to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like they they say Mm -hmm. they knew he was the Messiah when he was a little boy. Yeah, which is amazing to even hear. Like you're like I I never even thought about when he was a little. Like Mm -hmm. we have questions, but the Bible doesn't go in detail. It just says he went to Egypt. But then if you go and look up those places where the Bible says these people are from. Mm There's legit history there, mm-hmm. and it will help like color the world of the Bible for you, yep. and give you things Agreed. to look at. You know, absolutely. Yeah, oh, man, there's so <laughs> much we could talk about, dude. I, I want to say this though, man. Like, I made this statement, um, I guess, a few years ago when I was preaching one time or doing a teaching anyway on racism, and it's true. But I wonder how many of us really think that way, or it. How many of us really feel this way? Like, I have more in common with a 13-year-old little girl, an Iraqi, who's trusted Jesus, who doesn't even know what football is, than I do, a 46-year-old white guy that is a sports fanatic Mm -hmm. who doesn't know Jesus and likes looks like me, likes all the stuff I like. Like, we don't, we, we kind of, again, we we, yeah. we just don't think that way. Like, you know, like brothers and sisters, in fact, Revelation, man, I mean, Revelation will wreck you in a lot of different ways. It will yeah. wreck any idea that you have that somehow there's going to be um, uh, a white community, black community, whatever. Mm-hmm. because the beauty, I mean, there's so much there uh, in Revelation, but one of the beauties that you see throughout Revelation 5, over and over again, is all tongues, nations, tribes, and people. They're still identifiable then. You don't lose yeah. how God cre- sovereignly created you distinct yeah. here in the then and there. And in fact, I love how the Bible says that the, the kings of other nations will bring their glory in. It's like God's going to use in, in, in heaven. He is going to use this distinction. All yeah. their their differences and how he created them, and it's going to bring glory. Yeah. And I, I think that's glory to God. I think that's part of our glory, too. Yeah. Like, there will be that beauty of one God, one people, and yet we will be, we will still hold our distinctiveness. Yeah. Which is really cool. That hits on something, too, I was thinking about was how, so a lot of uh, the Christians who came to our country, a lot of them had the post millennial view of the end times. Yeah. And 
I started picking up on this, and I'm someone who probably would more identify with post-millennialism when it comes to end times theology. But I started noticing this issue where the the idea of post-millennialism is that you're bringing heaven to earth, you're yes. bringing the kingdom here yes. in our lifetime. Yes. But where the the issue comes into play is when we view the kingdom as only the kingdom we've seen or how, our our version mm-hmm. of it. Yep. And a lot of the Puritans like that. That was what they were doing. Was they were, they were ushering in the kingdom, but yes, a kingdom that looked just like them. Yep. And we're seeing this. You know, that, yeah. this was a struggle with uh, the Hillsong issue lately. I didn't know they were post millennial, but mm-hmm. they are. And one of the comments someone said in it was, "They're trying to bring the kingdom, but the way they see it." Mm-hmm. And this is like a common thing of when we are dealing with theology and we're we got to put our our lenses, our perspectives, mm-hmm. and how we view the world aside and embrace the Bible and let it confront us and confront yes. us and our individualism yep. and, and how we see things. Because like you said, the Bible, it's not the kingdom that it's trying to paint a picture of, mm-hmm. that it's, it's ultimately trying to build, is very distinct and like it's different. It's yeah. it got a bunch of colors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's beautiful. But like how just human nature is, we're attracted to things that are like us. Sure. And so when we're dealing with the Bible, instead of making the Bible conform to our version of mm-hmm. how we want Christianity to look or feel, we got to let the Bible and God's Word draw us into its vision. Because the reality is, is its vision is better. Yeah. What you described just a minute ago is yep. better than what I could have came up with on my Absolutely. own. Absolutely. And when we do that, what we'll see is we'll start building those relationships with people who look different than us mm-hmm. and let them into like speak into our lives. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to something you said earlier of, you know, sometimes we say we want a multi-ethnic church, but do we really? Yeah. And I think it was Jamar Tisby, he said, uh, there's a lot of churches that want black faces, but they don't want black voices. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that gets, again... I know we need to wrap up pretty soon, but I don't even, you know, it goes both ways mm-hmm. and always. Yeah. Like, so so if I can just be very blunt, like if somebody were to walk in on a Sunday morning to the Bridge Church, our, our church gathering, and, and us worshiping as a faith family, they would probably describe us as contemporary, and they may use some, a lot of other adjectives, <laughs> whatever. Um, but here's the thing. One of the things I'm always, as just an under-shepherd, the true shepherd, it, it, I'm trying to be conscious of, is the beauty that God has blessed us with, with a diversity of people. Age, social, um, socio-political, jo- I mean, level, all kind of stuff. Color, everything. Well, but I know that there are sacrifices being made every single Sunday by different people mm-hmm. who are members and serve and love Jesus, not only with the music or the dress or whatever else, because that's not what they grew up with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't grow up singing Hill Song. They yeah. didn't, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they don't even listen to it now, let yeah. alone grow up to it kind of stuff. And if they had to, to probably choose or to say, they may say, well, I actually like this a little bit better, what I grew up with. But there's this beautiful, us coming together because again it's i mean you know my kingdom coming here like i want what's in heaven like yeah i I long for that yeah but it takes work man get uh, get 
get comfortable getting uncomfortable because you're going to have some conversations and yeah. you're going to have some differences when you start stepping. But that's just true in, in life and relationships in general, whether you have the same yeah. skin color or not. And i say one thing too often. Like I have people, church folk, who will say something like this though. Well, I didn't, again, going back, I didn't have slaves. I, I'm not a racist. I'm not this, right? So why should I have to like repent or why, do, why should I have to confess? And I'll be like, listen, for one is when you look throughout the scriptures, there is like, expect Daniel was one who opened my eyes years ago. Like he, in that beautiful prayer of Daniel and I, he is like for asking for forgiveness for forefathers. Like he had nothing to do with it. Yeah. But he's praying for a nation. He's praying for generations even past. Um, because again, there is hypocrisy in my heart. Okay. Yeah. There, there, there is prejudice in my heart. There, there is, you know, we don't want to say there's racism in every heart kind of thing. Cause we want to be above that kind of stuff. And we're liars because yeah. all of us, I mean, if we're honest, yeah. we struggle with some form or fashion of something. Yeah. And so part of my prayer is not just praying for my fathers of the past generations before, but man, God convicts me because. If I'm being completely honest, like there are times where I, I need God's light to shine. Like, Robbie, you need to, you, this mm-hmm. area, you ain't perfect in it yet. You know, you love all people. You say that, but I mean, you know, do you really? Yeah. Are you engaged? I, man, we were blessed. And I'll hush in just a minute. <laughs> we were blessed, man. I, I got two out of my three boys played ball, and uh, Griffin, the oldest, uh, we would have his ball team over all the time. And uh, we go out to eat all the time with uh, the parents and stuff. And it's amazing how, you know, a ball field or a classroom or workplace or whatever, they didn't care about color. Yeah. I mean, we, we had kids nonstop since he was a little guy. And to this day, his best friends are not, not the same color of skin. Yeah. And we hang out with them and we love their parents and – and I asked somebody, when's the last time you had, when's the last time you went out to eat with or had somebody over that wasn't the same color of skin as you are? Yeah. Or your kids? And you listen to them. Because <gasps> <Yeah. sighs> I think that's a huge part. Like, yeah, like you said, all this, it requires work. It does. Didn't you know? You know, for me, when I was confronting the sin of racism in my own heart and life, and I'm not like a, I wasn't a flaming racist or anything like that. But there was definitely racism in my heart and i had some actions that were pretty racist and as i was working through that i had to realize okay one of the things i need to do is when we talk about like representation Mm -hmm. i read a lot of books Mm -hmm. yes is my library diverse like there was definitely no women on there there's definitely not any black people on there either Mm -hmm. and so doing the active work of finding godly black men and women to read yeah because they're like i'm reading books anyway why were why was my library not naturally diverse Mm -hmm. and again it just goes back to i'm attracted to what looks like me what thinks like me yep but when you start bringing people in who are different than you into your life your world does become brighter it becomes more colorful Mm -hmm. and not just like in the colorful and like skin tone different like the world opens up in ways you would never That's right. understand. Yep. One of those was my worship music. For the longest time, it was Hillsong. Mm-hmm. And then I started listening to Kurt Franklin and Marvin Sapp mm-hmm. and the joy and like how much it spoke to my soul. Yeah. I was like, I didn't even know I had this part of my soul over here. Like yeah. it, 
they hit at different levels and i was like my god they're sa- they're saying things in songs that i never heard in a hill song yeah. song before yeah and so bring like actively working to bring little things like that to my life but then like you said bringing people into my life mm-hmm. of most of my male like role models they weren't black men mm-hmm. i had one uh black basketball coach uh who made a huge impact on my life early on but then he passed away mm. and ever since then it's just been a bunch of white guys yeah and that shapes how i view the world and how i thought and it's not like a shame on the white guys but to have a a perspective the way that god sees the world i need to have people with different eyes absolutely to get the more of the global vision and so bringing in like a Mr. Frank, who I love because Mr. Frank, every time we get conversation, like we get breakfast together, mm-hmm. dude is telling me about things I've never thought about in the Bible. Yeah, he's telling me about meditation. I was like, we never talked about that. Yeah, or he's talking about the there's some type of a I don't know, it was some type of spirit or whatever that is like I, I don't know, I don't know what it's called, but anyways. It was another one of those things of like, oh, I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. in the churches he grew up in, that was common. Talk about it, yeah. And so we like just making those little disciplines of mm-hmm. making intentional choices to bring diversity into your life. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. good. It's good. I, let me say this too, Austin. Yeah, because out too. yeah. Well, and I'll do it really cliff note version. All right, from a biblical standpoint. I know we've taught a ton, and we could we could have multiple, and we and we will follow up oh, yeah. on these kind of topics. But specifically, we started talking about slavery, and we started talking about the Bible and stuff. And and I just want to give you a couple look at them on your own. The Bible absolutely denounces all forms of physical abuse. Exodus twenty one twenty six through twenty seven. Any form of human trafficking. Exodus twenty one sixteen. First Timothy one. So again, yeah, Old Testament, New. First Timothy one nine through eleven. But specifically in verse ten, Paul's got this list. Paul likes his list yeah. when he's talking about sin, unholy, unrighteous, unbelievers. Those will be judged, and one of those is kidnappers, means enslavers, literally man stealers, slave dealers, kind of thing. Uh, it just again Philemon. It's over and over again. All right. Mm-hmm. God does speak directly against it. Yeah. It is there. You just got to look. Yeah. It's there. Mm-hmm. And here's what when people will say, well, and I even mentioned Jonathan Edwards, um, you know, people who study the Bible way longer and more than I have, um, says it's not, again, that's direct scripture. Mm-hmm. But even in your Colossians, Ephesians, where it speaks about, okay, those who are slaves, obey your masters and things of that nature. It is not where the Bible speaks into that, even Paul speaking into that. He is not condoning it by no means because the Bible does that in a lot of areas. When Jesus is confronted about divorce, that was not part of God's created design, right? But he speaks into it because here is a result of sin. What happens, man? You're just throwing your wife out for burning your biscuits. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so God put up some parameters kind of thing. Like, so, hey, this is not the way I created it. But here's some boundaries kind of thing. That's all it was. All right. So when it comes to racism, when it comes to specifically slavery, never, ever part of God's creative design, ever. And And so when Paul speaks into that, he's speaking into it by not condoning it, like saying, oh, it's okay. Um, But he's saying, if you're in this, like a really good uh, place is in 1 Corinthians 7, 
all about freedom. Talks about marriage, worship, even talks about slaves and masters. Yeah. And again, you are free if you are in Christ. If you find yourself in that position, Paul's saying, if you find yourself in that position, you honor and you respect and know that you're doing this and God sees, all that kind of stuff, and you are free. But he ends it by saying, if you are able to have your freedom, be let go, oh, do yeah. that. Because you should. Like, that's the ideal. That was yeah. God's intent. The Jubilee slaves were let go in the old I mean, it's throughout Scripture. So when people say it's not in the Bible, yeah. I just don't know what Bible you read. And understanding, like, I've, I know I've probably said this before, God hates sin more than we do. And when, like we talk about Ham and, like, the, the curse of Canaan was that Canaan would be a servant of servants to Jephthah. Mm-hmm. Jephthah's line is the Jews. Yep. Right? If you read the Minor Prophets, the Jews are confronted about holding yes. having slaves. Yes. Like it, it was it wasn't something God was okay with. Yes. He called his people out on it and he even had judgments for them. Yes. For when they did participate in it and just understanding where God's heart is in the Bible and where man's heart is, I think is again is an important distinction to make is God hates sin more than we do. Mm-hmm. There's a reason like the passage in John says like if you hate your brother you don't love me yeah it's because God is love yeah and love is laying yeah. down your life for others yeah. for your enemies there's no room for slavery or racism no. or anything no. like that in the no. kingdom yeah that's right man we could go on and <laughs> yeah. on I mean yeah I know we need to close it out we'll man, put a, it's, it's a it's a weighty topic so we'll put resources in the description and passages and stuff like that but also I'm gonna put a link in the description of on Anchor, which is where we like post the podcast at, and it takes it to Apple and Spotify now. You can leave a voice message. Oh, cool! And you can ask us questions. Oh yeah. Or just send like a you know Austin, Robbie, you are the amazing and awesome people, and whatever, whatever compliments you want to give us, we'll gladly welcome them. Uh, we'll put that link in the description. Send us voice messages. There can only be like thirty seconds though. So be quick with it, and uh, we might do an episode on the question you ask. Cool. This has been it for Into the Fray. I'm Austin. I'm Robbie. We'll see you next week. This has been another episode of Into the Fray. We want to thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast feed. We will see you next week for another conversation.